This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Welcome to A Game of Two Halves, a sports podcast by The Straits Times. We have an all-local episode of the podcast today with quite a bit to talk about with the national football teams, the Singapore Premier League and National Age Group Swimming Championships. Uh, I'm ST Sports Correspondent Sazali Abdulaziz and with me today is Assistant Sports Editor Rohit Brishnath. How is it hanging, Mr B? Yeah, good. Nice to be here, uh, Saz. Um, lots to talk about in local sport, which is always good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All-local episode. I'm, I'm, I'm actually quite excited. So let's kick off the podcast with our national football teams. You know, the, the Lions and Young Lions have not had too much to shout about over the last five years consecutive Suzuki Cup and SEA Games group stage exits but last week they punched above their weight the senior team finished runners-up in the Air Marine Cup quadrangular in Kuala Lumpur losing on penalties after holding an Oman side 75 places higher than them in the world rankings to a 1-1 draw and the under-22 side held North Korea also to a 1-1 draw in their AFC under-23 championship qualify on Sunday North Korea were ninth seats in qualifying whereas Singapore were ranked 30th of 44 nations Okay, I'm going to look at this from both sides. I think obviously it's good and I think you're always looking for positive steps from your team, right? So anytime they do something like this, we should be positive about it. Yep. But I think at the same time, you've got to hold your teams to a slightly tough standard. Mm. What that means is, I think with any athlete, what I really want to look for and what I'm impressed by is consistency. So I think teams and individual athletes are capable of really good performances on a day or in a week or whatever, but I want to see them. The test for them is to produce that level again and again and then again and again and not just that level and then to go up a level and then go up another level. So, I mean, that's what modern sport is. I mean, it is a very difficult business and it's a very challenging business. So, I'm not putting a downer on this at all. Mm -hmm. I I think, you know, it it must be, especially for guys like you, it must be really nice because, I mean, if your team is not doing well, then, you know, it's a big deal when they do do well. Man, I I loved it. You know, first of all, you know, let's make no bones about it. It wasn't as though we played tiki-taka football against uh, Oman or North Korea. But I love the fact we did not just, you know, accept our fate and, and sit back and you know wait for an onslaught as we have seen now numerous times in, in the last few years we scored in the last few seconds against Oman in injury time through a fine free kick by Zofami Arifin and also in the first few seconds against North Korea you know so you know fortune favours the brave you know we wouldn't be that high up the pitch if we didn't have some courage you know and yeah I think no I like that I like great. that I think that eventually in the end there are a couple of things you want to see with your team, right? One of the things, of course, is you want to see spirit. Mm. Is that even despite the fact that you may go through, you know, many tough years or whatever, yeah. your ranking falls, people criticize you. But still, as a team, as a unit, you're still pushing, you're still fighting. And I think psychologically, that's incredibly important. Mm-mm. And the other thing is, of course, you want to see the other small things that, you know, they're getting fitter, they're getting stronger, they're getting braver, they're better in the air, they pass better, they make less mistakes. All the small things, you want all those things to fit together, which, of course, takes a lot of work. There are also calls now for uh, Nazri Nasir, who's it, the interim coach of the national team, to be given a job, which I don't know how likely that is because, you know, the FAS has spent in probably at least the last six months or so interviewing foreign candidates for the job. But that's a good point you mentioned about consistency, you know. Again, not to put a downer on their achievements, but this could well just be a one-off, you know. I mean, Nazri has done obviously fantastically well to rally the team on such short notice and get them to play decently well. But there's always that worry that, you know, if we 
give a coach who has pulled off one good result, you know, a long-term job that may not be repeated. Yeah, I mean, this this is the tough thing with coaches. You know, coaches you can't tell. I think you know we have a belief in football, especially, which is why, of course, the EPL, for example, keeps changing football managers is because we look at coaches and miracle workers. They're not. I think we can't get too ahead of ourselves on coaches. I think one of the biggest problems facing coaches, for example, in the EPL, is that everybody looks at them as miracle workers. That you must come in and you must make a team great immediately. It just does not happen. It doesn't happen like that. You know, you have to look at your raw material and see what you can do with it. So, I mean, I don't know. This may be a fluke mm-hmm. for this coach, but maybe he's really good. I mean, yeah. maybe he has something untested we don't know about. You mentioned he hasn't coached at any level before. Yeah. So, so he Nazri has coached the under fifteen and sixteen teams. Okay. But he has not coached the senior team. Not even the young lions. He lobbied for the young lions job a few years ago, but didn't get it. Uh, he's been assistant to Fundy at various, I think, Lions 12 and the Young Lions. But yeah, so he hasn't actually managed the senior team. But again, you know, you could sometimes the way football works is so strange. Sometimes it's like Solskjaer, you know, he's, he was a failure at Cardiff. You know, he goes to Man United. It's a perfect fit for him. And, you know, he's seen as the Messiah. Yeah, but I worry about Solskjaer because <laughs> yeah. the fact remains is, you know, when you have this great honeymoon period, you know, with the team, there's going to be a fall. When you sort of dip, every team dips, right? I think sport generally and football mainly is full of overreaction. And I think that the teams that are calmer and stick with their coaches, in my opinion, are smarter teams. You know, I, I, I'm not talking about loyalty. I'm just talking about the yeah. fact that you can't... Can't make knee-jerk yeah, decisions. Like, yeah. Right? yeah, so I mean, with this, what happens to the Singapore team, we have to see, you know, what happens if they've been looking for a foreign coach and they have found one, then they should go with him. If this, if Nasir does well over the next couple of matches, does he have any more games coming up? No, actually, I think the FAS is intending to announce the permanent coach before the next international break. So, you know, <laughs> it's it's unlikely that, you know, they'll suddenly make a U-turn, like I said, after six months of interviewing candidates, to suddenly go on a whim and say, oh, you know what, yep, Nazri yep, drew yep, Oman, yep, let's give him the yep, job. Yep. So, and, and to be fair, I don't think the FAS should make decisions according to what the public or the media thinks. I think yeah. if they have decided on a position, on a, on a way they want to go, then they should stick to that. And we also saw some really encouraging performances at the Singapore National Age Group Swimming Championships at the OCBC Aquatic Centre over the past week. A number of national records were set, uh, and one in particular caught my eye. That's the 1500 free set by Gan Ching Hui. I picked out her name because I did a story on her right after Joseph Schooling won gold at Rio in 2016. She had just turned 13 then. And the coaches have already seen potential in her as, as you know, one of the up-and-coming talented swimmers in the Singapore scene. And her, her time in the 1500 free was 16 minutes, 39 seconds, uh, 10.7 seconds, which is about 7 seconds or so off the Olympic A timing. And I think it's, you know, quite incredible considering she's still only 15. And the 1500 free is, you know, an endurance event for all intents and purposes. So for her to get so close to Olympic A timing is really something special, I think. Yeah, no, that's good. I mean, she's young. I think 7 seconds in the 1500 meters is a decent amount of time, but it's not that much. I mean, yeah. swimmers actually drop chunks of time. When they lift a level, they just, you know, yeah, suddenly yeah. they knock many it's seconds off, off or whatever. Yeah. I think the key with her is that you just want to hope that she keeps improving and I think that's what, you know, you want to see athletes do. Just move to that level which I talked about, yeah. you know, earlier that, you know, athletes always plateau. You're, when, when you're practicing, you, you will come to a level and then you'll plateau and then you have to do something to go up a level and we never know how many levels an athlete has which is why I, I've always been wary of, you know, the next 
Pele, the next Messi, the next Tiger Woods. You don't know. You can't tell. Somebody may have potential, but turning that into, you know, a promise, I mean, turning that into actual reality is, is a very different thing. But one nice thing is, I think Joseph Schooling is having a very quiet effect on a lot of swimmers and maybe even other athletes in Singapore. Because I think when a swimmer wins an Olympic gold and he beats Michael Phelps, mm. you suddenly believe quietly inside yourself, hey, this guy is made of the same thing yeah, as yeah. me. He's from yeah. the same country as me. Yeah. He's grown up to the same food as me. Mm-hmm. You know, I could be like him. Yeah. And I think that belief, that that taking that psychological step, that is a huge, huge thing. And that I think is a gift that Joseph has given us. Now, if you're enjoying this episode of A Game of Two Halves so far, do subscribe to us on Apple's podcast app or on Google Podcasts or even on Spotify. Do like it and give us a rating. Back to our show and uh, now we move on to the second half. Last week, the Straits Times reported that Singapore Premier League club Geelong International had written a complaint to the Football Association of Singapore after two incidents of alleged spying on their training sessions by rival clubs days before they played each other. Now, in the first instance, a man was spotted in the corner of the third floor of the Our Tampines Hub with a tripod and camera filming a training session a day before Geelang played Alberex. And in the second instance, a Tampines Rovers club official, allegedly in the club t-shirt actually, was seen sitting in the library where a large section uh, overlooks the pitch. Rohit, you were away for a while, but uh, you've seen the story. What's your your hot take on this? Firstly, I'm a bit amused. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, same. <laughs> these guys would go to such a level, go up there with the tripod yeah. on the third floor and sit in the library and, and scout in a way, in a very small way. It just tells you how seriously these people take football, which is quite... And I love that, it. That's the yeah. only part of it that I like, <laughs> that they love it, that they are so desperate that you... They mean find something, out right? What are they doing? What are they doing, you know, on, on certain moves or whatever? And But I don't like it because mm. I feel that sport has to have a certain line. You know, the sport always has two things. It has rules, laws, and it has unwritten rules, which mm. is like, you know, if a player gets injured on the field, you kick the ball out. Yeah. And then you come back and you give the ball to the other team. I mean, that's just the way it works, yeah. you know. And I think these things are very important because I think you see this a lot in rugby as well. It's respect. Yes. It's respect for the team. It's respect for the sport. And I think those things are really important. So I think there's a sort of rule, unwritten rule in football that you don't go and spy mm. on the other team. Yeah. And I think especially in Singapore where teams don't have their own stadiums where they can yeah. lock, lock themselves up in the stadium and, you know, yeah. train quietly. Yeah, sometimes you said they're on public grounds, right? Yeah. So, Geelang this year, they're sharing uh, our Tampines Hub with Tampines Rovers. You know, one of the teams alleged uh, to have spied on them. And you, you brought up the public stadium point, which, uh, again, like I said, frankly, I've been quite surprised by some of the reaction to the news. I've spoken to people. I even got uh, readers' emails and stuff like that. And a lot of people have argued that, you know, it's a public space, so the opponent is free to do it, which to me isn't the point. You know, whether the stadium is open or not should not dictate how professional uh, you are when you approach, like you mentioned, or, or whether you adhere to such, you know, I guess, morals or ethics or, or unwritten rules. No, I agree with you. I agree with you. I mean, they're training in a public space, unfortunately, because there are not enough, you know, stadiums. We can't afford enough stadiums for teams to have and to train in private or whatever. So that's all the more reasons why you must respect that space. I think people should go and watch practice. It's fun. And I always feel athletes also like it if you go and watch practice because it shows that you really love the game. And you learn a lot of things when you watch athletes at practice. But I mean, going there with a the camera, you know, it's yeah, no, I, maybe I, maybe you shouldn't do that. I, yeah. I like I said, I'm I'm genuinely baffled by direction because some people tell me, oh, but fans are free. I'm like, yes, absolutely, friends. Are, I was 13. I used to after school. I used to go down to Chochukang Stadium next to or close to where I lived. 
and uh, I would see warriors train, you know, because I just, you know, if I didn't have training myself. So to me, I I enjoyed watching training, but I'm not a scout or I'm not a coach for for an opponent SPL team that I'm about to play. And and you know, other people have told me, oh, it's been going on for donkey years, which again does not mean it's the right thing to do, you know. So I I yeah, I mean, I mean, that that's absolutely no argument that says you know, it's like saying you know, I, I remember the whole thing about you know drugs and cycling, you know, when Lance mm. Armstrong, everybody does, everybody it. Well, did what, it. What yeah, does that no. mean? That, that, that doesn't mean it's no, right. Somebody has got to keep the standard high. Yes. And I think this is very important because I think if you look at world sport, I think you look at the amount of, you know, drug taking that goes on and there's cheating. There's so many things that are going on. People are trying to break rules all the time. And I think what is the point of sport if nobody is going to keep up the spirit yeah. and nobody is going to follow the unwritten laws and nobody is going to maintain the ethics of sport? Then it's just going to become like some savage war. Then what's the point yeah. of it? So I, I think these are very important things to maintain. And and one particularly, you know, to me, it's a bit of a disappointing take on things. Is you know, some people have also said, ah, yeah, it's not as though they're gonna gain a lot from seeing training. I'm like, some Singaporeans have this bad habit of you know just looking down on, on our own product, be it television, movies, music, sport, whatever you know. And yes, you know, maybe our, our standard of football isn't the best uh, in the world or in Asia or what, but it's not as though our professional football players go to training and play marbles or something like that you know they they actually do set play routines you know and stuff like that which again like you say when when it comes to you know the the end of the day we we want to have a professional league it should be respected as such by the people involved in it and even the wider community like journalists fans and and so on yeah i i couldn't agree more with what you said i mean firstly you are always going to learn something yeah you know that's why you're there yeah Right, I mean, I mean that's why you got a camera because you, especially in set pieces and things like that, you're trying to see what people are trying to do, who's a new player, who does what. So, I mean, you're looking. Sport is not about big advantages, it's about tiny advantages. You know what they call the one percenters. Yes. So you might get a one percenter out of it, but that's still not the point. The point is not about whether you get or don't get. The point is about the principle of it. And on that note, there's the final whistle bringing to a close the game of two halves. Thanks, Mr. B. Hey, thanks, Saz. Nice to be here. Nice to be talking local sport. If you enjoyed the episode as much as we did, do subscribe to a game of two halves on Apple's podcast app or on Google Podcasts or even on Spotify. Do like it or give us a rating. That was an SPH podcast. Find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts and streaming on Google Home. Do send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at straightstimes.com and bt.sg.